The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Friends in Recovery Podcast, the podcast that is here to help you, a loved one, or a friend get started down the road to recovery. This is the Friends in Recovery Podcast, brought to you by the Genesis House. Genesis House, providing a safe, nurturing environment to heal from addiction since 1992. Please be a friend and share our message with a friend on Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or YouTube. And now, here are your friends in recovery. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, here at Friends in Recovery. Um, I'm Ed Chancho, and along with uh, Jeff Zazel, and we have a special guest today, Rich Lombardi. Rich, can you just tell us a little bit about you, and we'll go into uh, what we're going to talk about today. Sure, yeah. Well, good afternoon. Hello, fellas. How you doing hey. today? Good. Great good. to How be sober. You? Yeah, nice. absolutely. God, yeah. God, yeah. God absolutely. bless, right? God bless, yeah. <laughs> God bless. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I, um, I'm currently employed at the uh, Essex County Sheriff's Department. I'm a reintegration coordinator, counselor, um, and, uh, you know, um, help the guys to uh, find a housing, um, sober houses, halfway houses, um, jobs, you know, all that type of stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's a, that's, that's a little bit about me, I guess. Okay, now. good, good, good. Yeah. So we, we have you here because uh, we kind of threw a, a loop in, the, uh, in, the, in our little the discussion that we were going to do, but we're going to actually talk about step one today. Um, and, again, I'm not a huge step guy, so we're going to rely a lot on you. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. The pressure's on, Richard. I guess I'm powerless. But, yeah, yeah, you're powerless. Well said. You're here. Well said. <laughs> you got a live audience. Yeah. Um, no, that was some sort of <laughs> AA joke, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, <laughs> okay. so, yeah. you got to be in the club to know uh, what that yeah. is. Yeah. So, <laughs> the secret handshake comes later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, step one is that we were powerless over um, our addiction, basically. And uh, and we had to, you know, kind of understand it that we were powerless we can be powerless over just about it, everything and, and basically step one reads um, we admitted that we are powerless over alcohol that uh, our lives have become unmanageable I read that without my glasses in this little Good book for you. I'm impressed um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's true you know kind of un, unmanageability um, even in the real world Jeff unmanageability is 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 out there um, people lose houses because of it they lose jobs because of it. they don't have to be an addiction so um you know everyday life we we try to you know kind of ma- you know kind of um manage that at the be- the best we could and that's what step one is in life i guess it, it, it's true it's interesting because i always find that there's so many things in life we have no control over so here we are beautiful day Richie and I were just talking, first day of spring. I yeah, said, hey, nice right. shirt, yeah. Richie. <laughs> and he says, yes, it's spring. And meanwhile, we're expecting a snowstorm yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, so yeah, do exactly. we have any power or control over that? No. no. And I often say I have very little control in my life. The only control I have is what I'm going to wear that day and what I'm going to eat for breakfast. And then I go into the refrigerator and the eggs are gone and the shirt I want to wear is missing. <laughs> so therefore, I have remarkably little control. And if you think about life... We have little control. What we have control over is how we're going to respond mm. to the lack of control. Yes. Our how attitudes. We're going to, that's yeah. right. Our yeah, attitudes, yeah, right. you know, the, the ability to sort of think certain thoughts. Do we choose to be positive or negative? Are we going to be upset about things that really are meaningless sometimes? And when you think about recovery and addiction, you know, people feel like they have to fight the disorder. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that's true, but you, if you 
allow yourself to sort of let go of that that fight for 45 to 90 seconds, sometimes the obsession goes away. Yeah. So it's really about surrendering to the to the sort of allure and the pull of the addiction. And Richie, I'm wondering when you think about your recovery and first step, you know, how does that how does that play to you and what does that mean to you? So, yeah, I, I guess uh, prior to recovery, uh, you know, I, I thought I was in control of everything. You know, and I thought if I controlled my life and I just, you know, it says it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm like the director or the actor. If yep. I just, everything was all set up nice. I had the right place to live and the right uh, woman and the, you know. The right the bank good, account. Yeah, the great yeah. job and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff that life yeah. would be great. Yep. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, fortunately as an alcoholic, uh, you know, I had it backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, I have a spiritual malady. It's a spiritual condition, and I'm certainly powerless over alcohol. I didn't always know that. I thought that, uh, like I said, if I had set everything all up, it would be good. And then in 1989, um, I, uh, I realized uh, that I needed to surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, I came to the place in my life where uh, I had hit bottom. Yep. And, um, and uh, you know, the first step was the key. Mm-hmm. Right? It, uh, it's funny because um, when you say surrender, um, mm. that, that's so hard, but it's so easy at, mm. at the same time. Um, Jeff and I work with a lot of, a lot of people who, who don't surrender, and um, they have to surrender, or their life's going to become unmanageable, and they're going to end up in jail institutions and maybe death. Mm. Um, and when I talk to somebody, and, and just something as simple as saying, yeah, I agree to go into treatment, um, you can hear just how once they say that, that, that something's lifted off of them just mm. by saying, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this, this first step and go into treatment. Something just gets lifted off of them, and you can tell in their voice, you can tell in their attitude, you can tell, and this is just over the phone when I talk to mm. them, um, that, that you can tell the difference of, 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 of as far as that goes. So that, as even, even before you get into recovery, you're, you're, you're surrendering and you're, you know, the, the, the somewhat you know you're powerless yeah. o- over it. It's a very liberating feeling, knowing you don't have to yes. fight yeah. th- that disorder anymore, yeah. and when you surrender, you actually open yourself up to change and yeah. to get better and changing yeah. the way you think. But Richard, you, you had made a good point where you said in 1989 you hit your bottom and then there was only one way to go. And unfortunately, you know, this day and age with so many terrible opiates out there and fentanyl killing six people a day in Massachusetts, five people in an hour in the United States. There were like 35, 36,000 people last year who died of opioid you know, overdoses. And we know President Trump was in Manchester, New Hampshire yesterday with sort of, uh, you know, a plan to combat the opioid epidemic. Interestingly enough, you know, we don't have to wait for people to hit the bottom. We can actually, as we like to say in the addiction field, raise the bottom. So that's when we do interventions and so on. So it's interesting that, Richard, when when you hit your bottom in, in 1989, you, you at that point you decided you had enough and you needed to turn it around. So I'd be curious if you could tell your story, what happened and how you did turn it around. Sure. So step uh, one. Step one. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Without even knowing about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know, everybody. Uh, I find a lot of times too in recovery that a lot of people can admit they're powerless, but it's the unmanageability part that has the difficulty because it's sometimes it's uh, the, the disease is so powerful that it's hard to see that. Mm-hmm. But uh, for myself. Um, so I grew up in the city in Boston, and uh, I, um, I got involved in alcohol and drugs when I was 15 years old, and, um, and then I started to sell them. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you know I worked my way up the ladder, so to speak, and uh, and then eventually um, in 1989, what happened to me was uh, the DEA and the state police uh, batter rammed every door down in my house, oh, <laughs> even when they were open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can laugh about that today, you know. So that's the grace of God and Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, that actually uh, I can take that pain and I can turn that around. And, um, and so the police found it necessary uh, for me to kind of, they intervened on my unmanageability, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you became uh, a guest. I <laughs> did, yes. And, but for the grace of God, uh, I found Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, and then, um, you know, I saw these steps were suggested to me that, uh, you know, I just stopped practicing the program and eventually everything would come, you know, would come full circle and come around. And I liked what I saw. I was attracted, really, first of all, because I saw men in there who were living good lives and, mm-hmm. you know, were talking about recovery and talking about how they had stopped drinking or using drugs and that they had turned their lives around. And I was desperate for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was desperate for that. Yeah. Uh, Did you find any solace in, in, it sounds like when you go to a meeting that nobody's looking down on you? Is there solace in that, that you you may look down on yourself, but to know that you're in a room full of people, for lack of better phrasing, that, that love you for who you are? Oh, exactly, exactly. And then you hear someone speak, you hear a man speak and tell his truth, and uh, you can do nothing but say, oh, holy, you know, let me, let me take a look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, Sometimes and, uh, you hear your story up there. You sit there, oh, my God, that was Yeah, great. well, that's what happened yeah. to me, actually. I, uh, after I got arrested, I was, uh, I was uh, court-ordered into treatment. Uh, two weeks uh, for I had uh, multiple DUIs back then and I had two weeks of uh, in-house treatment and I went there and I uh, was in a meeting and I actually heard my story. Yeah. The yeah. young man had grown up in the city like I did. He went to parochial school like I did. You know, he had opportunities like I did, uh, but then he got involved in alcohol and drugs and then um, um, he had been sober for five years. I was amazed by that. I mean, yeah, I, could, no. I, I couldn't stop for five seconds, yeah. never mind five years. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, I went up to him after the meeting, and I asked him, you know, how do you stay sober for five years? Never mind today, right? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wanted, like, what he had today. Yeah. And, um, and uh, he said, uh, you know, he made a suggestion. He suggested that I touch base with a higher power. Yeah. that I asked that higher power to relieve me of the uh, obsession for alcohol and drugs, and if I was successful, I should thank him at the end of the day. And he left, and uh, I used a couple of four-letter words, <laughs> and I said it can't be that easy because <laughs> I've been trying to do this my whole life. Yeah. And uh, I got upstairs in a locked ward, and I guess if you've ever been in a locked ward, uh, you're probably oh, yeah. an alcoholic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good likelihood. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? You know you're an alcoholic guess, if you're in a locked ward. Yeah. Regular folk, uh, you know, I come to find out, don't end up in locked wards. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, they go to the Cape for the week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I did it. Yeah, and uh, that began the journey. Yeah, I, so I remember. Safe. I remember that aha moment too. Um, mm. I was, um, I, w- I was at a, a friend's house and laying on her couch, and uh, I woke up and I said, "This is this is not living." You know, the the, the person's house, the, the electric was off, the father was dr- dealing drugs. Um, it, it was just a really bad, bad situation. I woke up. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, you know, I had that that. Um, spiritual yeah. awakening i guess as, as we say it in, in the rooms and and i i made a phone call and that was the, the beginning of my journey that obviously brought us up into this moment in time in my life but that that just knowing that you're powerless over it and and just kind of just even even getting that little glimpse of hope of just just saying okay i can't do this my way anymore even if it's for 10 seconds or, or whatever it is just enough to grab onto something to hold on to to figure out that my way isn't working and um it gets you 
gets you into treatment, it gets you into counseling, gets you, you know, into the field, it gets you into a lot, a lot of different things, you know, and, and, but way back when, when I had that, that, you know, spiritual awakening, I didn't know where I was going to go. I I really didn't, you know, I thought my life was over. Everybody, when I make, when I get a phone call and I'm sure you hear this too, both of you guys, um, how how you doing today? I'll say that I'll say that specifically to the person that's calling me. Oh, not so good. I'm like, well, this is the luckiest day of your life because you're gonna you're gonna take your first step going into yeah. treatment. They're like, well, what are you talking about? You know. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because what you had said earlier Ed, is that you know here you are in this sort of unhealthy environment, a very toxic toxic situation, and when you're stuck in those situations. You don't even realize that there's another way. Yes. That you think this is the only way that I am trapped and I can't change it. So whether it was like Richie, you know, hanging out with the friends you were dealing, you know, growing up with, and you get caught up in this sort of behavior and it becomes like a lifestyle. And at some point you say, Hey, this is pretty cool, but it's really a facade because mm. you really know it's not so cool and it's so painful. But you continue to use the substances because you're really trying to get rid of the pain. And then you're stuck in it. Then you have those moments and you wake up and like, who are these people I'm with? And this is like pretty sleazy and I don't really want to be here. But you don't know that you can get out of it. So for people watching the podcast, you know, what we want you to know is that there are ways to get out of it. And there are alternatives. And one doesn't have to live that way. In fact, Ed, maybe you can read the 800 number for people who may need to call have you know queries about what, what the to, options are. To get are. a hold of us, any of any of us on the panel, um, you want to call 800-989-6504, and that'll get a hold of us, any of us on the panel here. And um, if you have questions or if you want to get into treatment, um, that's the easiest way to do it. Um, can stay anonymous um, and just kind of even just talk about it. Yeah, so, I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. We're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and uh, we'll be right back with friends in recovery. Genesis House is a premier substance abuse and rehabilitation facility located in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. We have been providing the highest quality of addiction treatment since 1992 and are accredited by the Joint Commission. We offer a range of programs that include detox, residential treatment, dual diagnosis, a Christian track for people who want to incorporate their faith into treatment, a uniform services track, and we work with most major insurance carriers. Genesis House is led by a dedicated team of administrative and clinical professionals, and we stand on our commitment to excellence in recovery services. Contact us today to find out more about our program. Take the first step and call Genesis House at 800-737-0933 or visit us on the web at www.genesishouse.net. That's 800-737-0933 or www.genesishouse.net. Begin your journey to a long and successful recovery with Genesis House. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, we're here with our special guest, Rich Lombardi. Now, is that the Lombardi trophy that you That is, give yes. That year? sits in that. Well, it was sitting in the Foxborough, but unfortunately, sitting in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes, now. we got it now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> City of brotherly love. But, but if, yeah, yeah. if someone had to win... Give it to the Eagles. Yeah, that's exactly. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're talking about the, the first step here, a little, a little in depth. Um, you know, we're, we're probably going to do a couple more shows on, on all the 12 steps, and, and uh, this is just to kick off, the, you know, obviously the first step. So, yeah. Um, Jeff, did you have a question? Yes, I did. So, you know, first of all, we appreciate you being here, Richie. It's, uh, it's great to have, you know, an informed member. Mike Miles is often here, but today he's uh, 
golfing in the Philippines. Yes. He'll be back soon. <laughs> and But we have Richie with us. We miss you, Mike. Mike. Yeah, miss you. <laughs> watch out that birdie over there. Um, but, Richie, I, I know you, you work at the Essex uh, House of Corrections, and, you know, it's interesting because probably the, the vast majority of your clientele there are probably incarcerated due to, I would imagine, 70 to 80% of the population has some sort of drug or alcohol-related offense. And I'm wondering, when you're working with individuals there, do you find that your recovery is like an extra tool to help them and motivate them in their transition back to uh, the outside world? I do, actually. Uh, you know, I think that's the only really reason I sit there is because of my experience in the past and then in my recovery. And, um, you know, that's been a long road, uh, you know, a day at a time. Um, you know, eventually, I, you know, I uh, paid my due debt to society and then I went back to school and then I uh, ended up uh, getting licensed and uh, doing those type of things. And then... Um, through the grace of God, I was able to uh, met the sheriff, uh, the previous sheriff of Essex County, and uh, uh, we had a talk, and uh, he suggested that I start there as a volunteer, and then you know work my way in, and that's what I've done uh, over the last since 2005. Um, and uh, but yeah, so I would say uh, you know 80 to 90 percent of the gentlemen there, it's all direct result of either using alcohol and substances or selling them. Uh, which creates all these other things, as we know, domestic and violence and all these other things. So it's kind of all intertwined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so sharing my experience with them, uh, you know, obviously is, uh, is a benefit. They, they really appreciate that. Um, you know, I find that they can all admit that they're powerless, but it's the unmanageability part that's difficult you to know, get across. Take your, taking your own will back, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and exactly. and, and, and that, that's the big thing is, is you know, I always tell everybody, your best thinking got you here. Mm. You know what I mean? Let let us take over a little bit and, yeah. and help you with your thinking a little bit until you can get on that right track. And and is that something a little bit what you help these yeah. guys with? Yeah, I do. It, but, uh, <laughs> and uh, the difficult part of that is is that, uh, you know, as ego and pride and, uh, you know, that type of stuff gets, you know, no man yeah. wants to, like uh, – give in yes right, and uh yeah. so that's the constant battle but yeah. uh but yeah when they do and uh you know the other thing unfortunately or fortunately is is that sometimes um you know they've been in this cycle for so long that you know you ask the right questions you try to you know put them forward but uh sometimes they um they only know how to respond in one way mm-hmm. which is to tell you what you want to hear yeah. so that they can move forward yeah. next step but, yeah. well we do the best we can yeah. you know we keep moving them forward yeah, yeah. now good jeff uh, sorry uh you know it's interesting because i think we often hear that people will hit their bottom and they'll say i'm sick and tired of being sick and tired which is you know a, a, a great sort of catchphrase but you know you get to a point where people will sometimes you know if they don't give up mm. We know that they can get better, but there are some people who just decide they don't want to fight hard enough mm-hmm. for recovery. And it only takes, you know, you can have 99% of your, you know, your sort of psyche going down the drain. All it takes is a little bit of light, right. 1%. So yeah. if you light a match in a completely dark room, you know, that's 1%. But yeah. that, that small light can illuminate oh, yeah. the entire yeah. place and you can find your way out. Yeah. And that's, you know, the metaphor for recovery. Exactly. So it takes a little, as long as you still have a little fight left yeah. in you. And yeah. when we talk about recovery spark, in the first yeah. step, you need a little spark. It's about being resilient. It's about saying like, hey, and I like what you said, Ed, your best thinking got you here. So maybe mm. we need to think slightly differently. Yeah. Like I, I always like to say, so how's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Which I often say to my kids. Our stinking so, thinking. Yeah, that's that's what like, we call it in a, in a rooms. our stinking thinking. So. Yeah, there's nothing like uh, going along with the plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the difficult part. Yeah, but that's yeah. right. Getting yeah. the plan together. Yeah. Is the, and, and back to what Jeff was saying, and, and Rich, you and I are blessed to be sitting here in mm. recovery. A lot of people don't get this. Mm. You know, a lot of people – 
um, that need it do not get it. And, and we're blessed to be sitting here that we got it, that we're able to, to talk recovery, to, to say that we're, we're not behind bars or we're not dead mm. or you're, we're, we didn't overdose 16 times or in your program, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're blessed for that. There are the ones out there that never get it. They die. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure you see that, you know, in, in your, your line of work. I do. I see uh, all aspects of that. So I see the ones that uh, don't want to grab a hold and are constitutionally incapable. And then we see others that take a hold. And then uh, the next thing you know, I see them on the supermarket yep. with their wife or their kids. Yep. And they got a smile on their face. And they come up to you and they're all excited. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that's like, then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's why we do what we yeah, do. Yeah, that's right. You know? And, and, you know, yeah. and they see you in, in the marketplace or out in public. And mm. they want to come up to you. Why? Because oh, they're proud yes. of, Richie, look what I'm doing, man. Yeah. Look, look how well I, I'm, you know, my life is yeah. going. Yeah. And, you know, you have a little role in that because you, you know, you're supportive. You're not judgmental. You're trying to encourage them. You try to, you know, connect the dots for them. Mm. And, you know, you ever notice you, if you're not doing well in life and you see someone you know, you don't want to see them. So who, who goes to the high school reunion? The person who feels good about themselves. Yeah. You know, the person who's not doing well, they're not showing up. So yeah, how's yeah. it going? Well, I'm a bit of a loser, yeah, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I put on by 85 the way, pounds. Yeah, pass yeah, the yeah. potatoes. So, uh, <laughs> Why are you looking at me yeah, when life, you said that? Life is terrible. Yeah, right. So we got to put a little weight on you, not yeah. off of you. Yeah. Ed's been working out. He's, he looks like he's in good shape. He's, yeah. Well, well, I can tell you one thing about uh, recovery is that I haven't missed any meals. <laughs> That's one good thing about recovery. Absolutely. <laughs> but but you know the step step one is important and and it is the kickoff to you I mean when yeah. when you climb up steps you take the first step second yep. step third step and w when I got into recovery they said now you got to start working the steps I'm like oh man working the steps well can't I just go to step twelve and be done with it yeah. and, you know but that's not the way it works and like a good addict you want the shortcut I, I did yeah. yeah can I yeah can I <laughs> step twelve begins with a one right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm yeah. dyslexic yeah, yeah. twenty one <laughs> meetings and fellowship are great but uh, the steps are which get you to recovery absolutely yeah. and you know, you know step and a better one, way of life yeah step yeah. one we use right. I use in my everyday life yeah. knowing that I'm powerless over the person that cut me off or um, maybe the podcast that didn't go right Saves or, you, a lot of trouble. you know um, you know anything along those lines mm. so I still practice step one in my almost everyday life you, you, you know, know it's interesting because you know we live in New England there's weather issues there's always traffic and you know you plan for those things but sometimes it just doesn't work according to plan then you have to realize you are powerless over it but it is interesting because you can hang on to the anger and the frustration and get yourself really worked up to the point where you want to use substances. Or you can ask yourself, you know, a year ago today, whatever, mm -hmm. that, whatever was going on, I'm sure there was some stress. I'm sure there was some anxiety. But I managed to get through yeah. that. Yeah. And two years ago from today and 10 years ago from today, and I managed all those things. Yeah. And last week, if I had a bad day, it's over with. Yeah. So when you, the, the steps are a way that allows you to think clearly and it's remarkably liberating because then you can actually feel much better about yourself. So, you know, when the president was in Manchester, New Hampshire, they were talking about what's effective opioid treatment. So they used the term best practices. Right. So, so what does best practices mean? It means different things, of course. But one of the things we know about best practices in the addictive field is a cognitive behavioral treatment Every approach. Day. You change how you think. Yep. You change how you feel. AA and the steps of really a cognitive behavioral model. Yep. It gets you thinking differently. Yep. If you think differently, you feel better. Yep. So I think that I'm powerless and, I, and that's okay. All of a sudden, hey, you don't have to be in charge. Yep. You know, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, yep. so, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I always use another, um, uh, another phrase here that, uh, 
that it takes 28 days to make or break a habit. And I'm sure you heard this before. Everybody knows about the 28 days. You know, why is rehab 28 days? Because it it takes... 28 days to break a habit or 28 days to, to make a good habit. So if you want to eat healthy, if you eat 28 days in a row, after that, it's it's still going to take some work, but it's it's going to fall into place. It's going to be almost second yeah, nature. Routine, yeah, yeah That's your, right. your routine. Yeah. So. So, so, yeah, it's interesting because people talk about, gee, it's such a hard thing to do, whether it's exercise yeah. or getting up every day and, you know, having a routine. And I ask people, gee, did you brush your teeth this morning? Yes, I did. Was that hard to do? No, it's automatic. So that's an example. There are certain things we do in our lives that become automatic. We don't even think about it. It just happens. But if you fight it so much, it becomes a bit of a problem. It does. And we know that, you know, there's simple little things that make people's lives better. And, you know, certainly acknowledging the first step in recovery is really how we we kick it off to get people moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's so important to practice these principles in all our affairs, mm. you know, and, and that's the, our everyday life and um, being with your wife, your husband, your producer. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's. Um, yeah, in all your affairs. Yeah, in all your yeah, affairs. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's not easy sometimes. It's not easy because, you know, you want to be right. You want to beat your chest. You want to be the perfect person. Um, you and again, be in charge. You yeah, want to be in the You want to be in charge, yeah. yeah. And it's progress, not perfection. So there are going to be those days, you know. And sometimes, step one, you want to throw out the freaking window and say, you know what, I'm in charge here. But once you start doing that, it all goes the wrong way. It all goes the wrong way. So you kind of tighten your belt buckle and you kind of remember, you know, maybe say the Lord's Prayer or the Serenity Prayer and say, you know what, I am powerless over That's this right. situation. So, so we are, you know, we realize we're powerless, but that doesn't mean we're not accountable. And that right. doesn't mean we don't take responsibility. Yeah. Right? We don't yeah. take responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that's a, good, a good sort of brief overview of step one. Step, yep, absolutely. And, and we'll, get in, we'll get into more of the steps throughout the podcast. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on step two. We'll have another guest on step two. Um, I want to throw out the 800 number again. If you have any questions about the steps, um, our 800 number is 800-989-6504. You can also visit, visit, visit us on our um, website. At, it's uh, friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. And you can also email us at friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. I right. believe that's I it. Believe so. So. Oh, no, help at friendsinrecoverypodcast.com. Um, and Mike Miles, who's in the Philippines right now, right, be Mike. safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. we'd like to thank Four. Rich. <laughs> like to thank Rich Lombardi for coming in and talking a little bit about the steps. And we'd love to have you back. And sure, you know, love to. All right. Yeah, yeah, great, great. great. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. Thank See you, you next time. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.